Murfreesboro. This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Alrighty, guys, welcome back in as we kick off the action line. Right now, the time 8.13 and a little bit of a uh, drizzly start, kind of a cloudy start to the day for us, looking kind of Halloween-y out there, but uh, that rain expected to break up for us today and hopefully stays pretty dry for us the next couple days as we learn more and more. There's just tons going on this weekend between trick-or-treating and uh, different uh, different folks putting on events and uh, gatherings for people to dress up and come hang out, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Coming up next week, though, as we're joined with Tara Stone, who is the executive director of the Red Cross Middle Tennessee chapter, uh, we got a big blood drive coming up next week, so that's going to be exciting. Tell us more about that. We do. Thank you. Um, we have our True Blue Blood Drive. Um, it is set for Monday through Wednesday. That's November 1st through the 3rd um, at the University Student Health, Wellness, and Recreation Center. It's located at 1848 Blue Raider Drive. Um, we do have appointments still available. Um, they will be collecting from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about the blood shortage kind of in relation to, you know, with folks quarantining for so long. And I know that kind of thinned things out mm -hmm. a little bit. The donation process is a little different, but it's really not any longer. Just maybe a, um, maybe more precaution. Now you're seeing people with masks and maybe a little more spread out than maybe you would have seen two, three, four years ago. Um, but where are we at in relation with all that? Is there still that need, that same need we've had, you know, through, through a lot of the pandemic where we need to get folks in there to donate? And certain types of blood, I found out, are also more needed. Absolutely. The need is still there. Uh, this summer, blood donor turnout actually decreased by about 10%, uh, while the demand for the need for blood remained high at hospitals all across the country. Uh, the American Red Cross continues to experience uh, emergency blood and platelet shortage, um, which caused the blood supply actually to drop to the lowest post-summer level since 2015. Um, and every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs blood. Um, it could be an accident, a burn victim, uh, it could be related to heart surgery, organ transplant, and also uh, those receiving treatments for uh, leukemia, cancer, or sickle cell disease may need those blood products. So we'll talk more about sickle cell disease because this is something I learned about this morning a little bit as well, and we can share that with the listeners. Uh, but for the Monday blood drive, so uh, how do folks sign up? Can they can they show up? Are there things they need to do ahead of time? I know there are certain things on the blood donor app that's going to save you as well as them a lot of time. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, the donation process. What's going to be the quickest, most efficient way for folks to get in here and donate some blood? Yeah, we encourage everybody to go ahead and make an appointment ahead of time if they can. You can go online, redcrossblood.org. Um, we do have a blood donor app that you can download um, from your app store um, on your iPhone or Android and go ahead and make an appointment. And like you said, if you have the blood donor app, you can go ahead and, and answer the, the pre-appointment questions there um, and come in and, and be ready to donate. Um, it is an MTSU, but donors will have free reserved parking at the rec center. We have someone there blocking off some spots and let you come in and park there. Um, we have a commemorative t-shirt 
Uh, we'll have some pizza um, and also a $20 Amazon Eat gift card while supplies last on all those for our donors this year, which is very exciting. Fantastic. So one of the cool things about donating is, you know, you talk about some of the needs, sickle cell, one of them, but, uh, you know, somebody gets into a car accident, they need they need blood. All these little things you don't really think about where all this blood is needed. Um, you know, really, anytime you donate, you're, you're probably helping two, three, four different people. And you can actually, are, are you guys still tracking where some of these donations go? So you, I remember before I, I donated and I got an alert that said my blood was in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't, didn't give me specifics, but just kind of fun to think about that. You donate here, it ends up different parts of the country helping folks. Is that that's still happening are you guys still kind of keeping an eye on that yeah if you don't if you download the app um, like you have um, they'll give you an alert um, if it's used and it may be used right here uh, which is great but also there might be a great need somewhere else um, so you know that you're able to help somebody all over the US with the Red Cross Network absolutely awesome and we mentioned the donation times really haven't gone up I mean you guys have, have kind of smoothed things out as far as how to safely get people in to donate um, but again, you're talking 30, 40 minutes, probably less than an hour. When I was in there, I think last time, less than an hour. And that was, you know, with me talking to everybody. I walked by and having, a, you know, the bottle of water and, and kind of hanging out, not not being in too much of a rush. So uh, certainly something if somebody wants to make an appointment, maybe they can swing in on their lunch break, mm-hmm. before work, after work, that type of thing. And uh, when you do make the appointment, that does kind of get you in there a little bit quicker than maybe if you if you go and you're waiting in a line. Uh, once, once you have that appointment set, that kind of helps you out. It does. I mean, like I said, we encourage people to make appointments. This is a high volume blood drive um, over at MTSU each year um, things happen you know schedules change and and someone may not be able to make their appointment and we might be able to work in a walk-in MTSU also does a great job in their social media to try to tell people hey guys there's no wait right now we have some open spots jump on in Um, so if you want to keep an eye on that um, they'll let you know as well Uh, but definitely if you're not feeling well we ask you not to come um, but we will be asking you to wear a mask um, and um, hope that you'll be able to join us um, on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Absolutely great. And uh, we were talking about some of the top donors being recognized. I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of neat. So mm-hmm. tell me about that. And what, what does a top donor, uh, what are their numbers look like? Is this five times a year? Because I know you can only donate so many times a year. They kind of mm-hmm. spread you out. Uh, and especially depending how what kind of donation you do, they, they might make you wait longer. Uh, but what is what is a top donor? What do they donate in a year? Sure. I am really excited about this. Um, we looked at our donors in Rutherford County, um, and we have three that will be recognized um, on Tuesday at the Blood Drive. Um, Edwin Alexander, Edward Baker, and Billy Jones. Um, they have um, donated, uh, let's see, um, Edwin has donated 494 units of blood and platelets. So talking about that number and how does that number get that high, um, platelets is actually, you know, considered a higher number of donation each time. Um, so that's how you can get to that number. Edward Baker, um, has donated 410 units. Um, Billy Jones is at 404 units. Um, and all of them are MTSU alumni, um, and located here in Rutherford County. So we're really excited about that. Awesome. So they're going to be there probably one or two or three of the days in and out. And you guys are going to just kind of uh, just, you know, what, what's that going to look like to kind of to kind of recognize them? Any any plans, any ideas? Yeah, we're going to do that midday on Tuesday. Um, have them each come in have a plaque for them. Um, looking forward to recognizing them there at MTSU um, for their donations um, and just want to give them a little something back. 
absolutely awesome. Looking forward to that. That's going to be Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Hopefully, the the sugar levels of people's blood doesn't affect the right. donation process. Because I think everybody's going to be pumped full of candy this weekend. But uh, uh, certainly, certainly something to look forward to post Halloween as we kick off the beginning of November. That's the first, second, third Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Where can folks find more information on this uh, if they sleep in between? Then forget some of the stuff we're telling them. They can go back online and kind of find the addresses and the times again. They can if you go to RedCrossBlood.org. Um, you will see the drive each day listed there with the address and you can make your appointment um, while you're online. Absolutely awesome. So tell us a little bit about sickle cell. We were talking about that off the air and this is something that um, you said kind of affects a certain demographic of people, which I thought was interesting. Um, But tell us a little bit what it is and, and how donating can help. Um, Absolutely. In the United States, it's estimated that over 100,000 people, um, and the majority of whom are African descent, have sickle cell disease. Um, And currently there's not a cure for that, and it may require blood transfusions throughout their lifetime to help manage that disease. Um, Sickle cell disease distorts soft and round blood cells um, and turns them hard and crescent-shaped, which can cause individuals to experience extreme pain um, and face life-threatening complications. Um, But blood donations from individuals of the same race or similar ethnicity and blood type have a unique ability to help the patients experiencing a sickle cell crisis. So it's very important that we continue to increase our diverse uh, blood donations and find that match for that person. All right. So again, you know, you might not know somebody, but you are helping that person and it might be somebody, you know, I mean, I'm sure that's mm-hmm. been the case, but, but certainly you look around these blood donations that go out, but they're, they're all going to help folks who, you know, if you were in that position, you would, you would want the same thing. If you had these, these diseases and you know, you had reasons you needed other blood, you would think, well, darn, I wish people would go out and donate because man, this really helps. Uh, so something to think about certainly is, uh, you know, we round out uh, October and get into November uh, for not just this month, not just November, but just down the road. What's the best way to find uh, places to donate? You can do that on the app, right? So if you want right. to stay maybe every month or two, or every three months, you want to donate and just kind of keep a uh, little bit of a pattern, a little bit of a, a schedule, you can do so on the app. You can actually schedule these appointments pretty far ahead. Yeah. And it reminds you, hey, you know, tell you how many days out and help you pick that next appointment. All righty. Tara Stone, our guest this morning from the American Red Cross Middle Tennessee chapter. And uh, Tara, always a pleasure to catch up. Anything we're missing this morning before we let you go for Halloween weekend? Um, Just want to thank everybody who comes out to donate and just remind everybody that this is MTSU's annual blood drive. Um, They launched this in 2010 um, and have collected um, over 5,000 pints of donated blood. Uh, which is an amazing accomplishment. We appreciate their partnership. Absolutely awesome. Looking forward to seeing you guys out early next week. That's Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday over at MTSU. Big blood drive and uh, taking appointments. Now download that app. That's going to save you some time. It's very easy to use. You don't got to put a bunch of information in and all that. It's pretty quick, and uh, that can get you signed up, get those appointments in, not just for this week, but uh, down the road. Tara, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. All righty, guys. We're going to take a time out. We'll be right back as uh, we're talking about the Alzheimer's walk coming up in about a week. I think it's about a week out. So uh, we'll talk more about that and uh, take a peek at that weather and traffic for you. Right now, the time, 823. You're listening to your good neighbor station, News Radio WGNS. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door 
If you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants, go to demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. Animal City is your pet bird destination. Whether you're looking for a new home for your feathered friend or plenty of toys and enrichment to keep them happy, we are the place for you. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. We have all the things that you need to keep your feathered friends happy. We have a great selection of enclosures and lots of toys and enrichment to choose from. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Becky Bookner, and I'm just so proud to talk about the veterans in our community and what an incredible gift they've given all of us. And that's our freedom and the right to live in this country. And we're so grateful to them for the sacrifices they've made. Last minute Halloween made easy. This is Soundbites and I'm Jan Ziff. The hot trend in Halloween this year? 3D geometric paper masks. You've seen them on TV, online and on the street. Fascinating faceted faces of animals and creatures that look like something out of a cubist fever dream. Designer Steve Wintercroft is on the sharp edge of the trend with his online collection of do-it-yourself mask patterns you can print out at home and assemble with just a few simple crafting tools. Steve has designs for everyone. Fox heads, wolf heads, dinosaurs, birds, skulls, robots, you name it, and chances are there's a paper mask of it. You supply the paper, cardboard and glue, and Steve supplies the imagination to bring your Halloween to life. And many of his patterns cost less than $10. Get your Halloween fun underway at wintercroft.com. With Soundbites, I'm Jan Ziff for CBS News. I wrote a book and it's called Don't Take Yes for an Answer, not Don't Give Yes for an Answer. Because it's your job as a person who wants to improve in this world and doesn't want to be on the wrong side of a firing or a downsizing. It's your job to seek out that feedback because it's not often going to be there for you, if at all. The point that broadcast TV talent agent Steve Hers, president of the Montag Group, is making is that in our offices, our Zoom calls, our shop floors, our sales meetings, each of us needs to know how others see us. To hers, there's really very little difference between how his firm's clients, Bob Costas, Jim Nance, Mike Tirico, are seen on a national stage and how each of us is seen by our bosses and co-workers. And here's a pro tip. He always encourages clients to use any and every excuse to video and record themselves. Yeah, because look, it's another way of holding yourself to the mirror. And if you don't like something about it and you're not doing something to change it, you're putting two hands behind your back when you're walking around through life. More from Steve Hers in the next CEO Radio. I'm Ray Hoffman. Hi, I'm Wade Hayes, owner of Toots Good Food and Fun. I strongly believe that volunteers make a positive difference in the quality of life here in our community. Local realtor Bill Jakes loves history and is a volunteer with the Rutherford County Chapter of the Association for the Preservation of Tennessee Antiquities. From old photographs, postcards, and Murfreesboro memorabilia, all coupled with Bill's writing skills, have enabled him to author several local history books. Thank you, Bill Jakes, for always collecting so that future generations will have a link to their past. 
At Toots, we strongly believe that it's important for every one of our citizens to give some of their time and talent back into the community. And we want to honor these individuals with a Toots gift certificate good at any of our Rutherford County locations. 860 Northwest Broad Street on Church Street in the Barfield area, in Smyrna on Sam Ridley, and Toots West on Franklin Road at Rucker Lane. Join me, America's career coach, Ken Coleman, weekdays live at noon here on News Radio WGNS for practical advice to help you discover the work you were born to do. More than 30 years of service recognized. Hello and welcome to Tennessee Home Inform Radio. I'm Thomas Camps. For me to be the, the first recipient is something the future guys can't say. So it means, it means more to me than I can say. For more than 30 years, Tim Mills proudly handed the keys to a new Case IH tractor to the winner of the Tennessee Young Farmers and Ranchers Achievement Award. Mills retired from Case in 2018, but he was recently honored for his decades of service to YFNR by being awarded the Golden Ear Award at the Tennessee YFNR Fall Tour. He's the first one to ever win the award. Mills says it's an honor to be recognized by an organization that he has so much respect for. I think the thing that is most important to me is to be a part of a, a, a company that recognizes what goes into the YFNR competition and, and, and not just a, it, it's far from being a contest, but Case IH is, is invested in this for the long haul and we've been a primary sponsor for 35 years, I would say, approaching that and it's, and it's just, with the caliber of the people that are involved, it's, it's a pleasure for us to do this. Agriculture is our future and, and for the most part, people that are out there nowadays who aren't familiar with it, frankly, wouldn't be tough enough to make a living. That's why we like to associate ourselves with the folks that understand that and, and uh, make it a point for us to, to invest in and sponsor the YFNR program for decades now. Mills says he cherishes all the memories he has being a part of the Tennessee Young Farmers and Ranchers program and looks forward to seeing Case continue to be a part of this beneficial program for young farmers. We've been on farms from one end of the state to the other. And they, they could be a row crop farm, a cattle farm, uh, any number of different operations. But it's just been terrific for us to be able to get out there. And it, it didn't hurt my feelings to sell a few extra tractors along the way either. Honoring the past and looking forward to the future. For Tennessee Home and Farm Radio, I'm Thomas Caps. This is Jeff Graham with Tire World. I want to invite you to visit our new off-road department at our Memorial Boulevard location, featuring lift kits, leveling kits, light bars, as well as wheel and tire packages. Just come by and ask for Gator for all your off-road needs. That's Tire World on Memorial Boulevard. Sometimes you gotta wonder, is there anybody in town Truman Jones doesn't know? Truman Jones is on weekday mornings at 9 on WGNS. Good Neighbor Talk covers issues you won't hear anywhere else. They're local issues. WTNS, AM, AM FM, FM, online. We're talking with Glenn King, a World War II veteran. I dropped out of high school and joined the Marines. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. When I came back to the States, I was stationed in the Marine Barracks in Washington, D.C. We were assigned to the White House, and we did a lot of traveling with President Truman. Did you have interactions with President Truman back then? Yes. When President Roosevelt was president, he found out that there was a CCC camp 80 miles west of Washington. You said the CCC. What is that? Civilian Conservation Corps. And it was on top of a mountain in Thurmont, Maryland. 
He commandeered the CCC camp for his rest camp and Roosevelt named it Shangri-La, President Truman. They had the presidential party up there. We all would eat our three meals a day in the CCC mess hall. In the mess hall down the middle was a great big curtain. President's party was on one side and the Marine detachment was on the other side. And every once in a while, President Truman would come and swing that curtain back, sit down and talk to us. And what he would say is, son, what state are you from? When they mentioned the state, oh, I know your senator real well, real well. When President Truman took the reins, he renamed what Roosevelt called Camp Shangri-La. The new name was Camp David. This has been a salute to veterans. All that's news. Your afternoon local news, traffic, and weather update with Matt Lane. Weekday afternoons, 440 until all sports talk on News Radio WGNS. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here for this afternoon with cloudy skies high in the upper 50s with southwest winds around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 51. Good morning. Still quite a bit of traffic volume on 24 right now as we check it out live. Westbound, of course, coming up by Bell Road. All that traffic headed towards Nashville. It's actually moving fairly decent. I don't want to jinx it, but traffic's also been in pretty good shape out here on 840 as well over into Williamson County. Gatlinburg Wine Cellar, home of the world-famous cotton candy wine. They have other flavors. Check them out at GatlinburgWineCellar.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Welcome back in at 8.33 of the time as we kick off now the second half of the action line. We're going to be talking about the Alzheimer's Walk coming up in about a week. It's uh, November 6th, and that's going to be uh, coming up. We'll talk how you can get registered and donate and uh, help out with that. But Emily Pegg and Dina O'Neill joining us this morning to talk more about it. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. 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 Happy Halloween. I probably won't see you this weekend, so happy Halloween to you. Now, are we dressing up and getting festive? I have a lovely unicorn onesie that my husband does not know that I own now. He's not listening, is he? No. We can go back. No, no he's This working. is live. We can't go back. He's he heard working. It. So. Fantastic. Any any Halloween festivities planned for you, Emily? Uh, usually we have our grandkids come over and we just have pizza and chili and then go trick-or-treat in the neighborhood. Very cool. Very cool. So we're talking off air about all the cool little rituals and things that people do different. Hay rides were something I never got in my neighborhood. Uh, but I was able to get the king-size candy bars from the local tavern. So we get, it's kind of a trade-off thing, I guess. You never know. Uh, but you were talking about people driving around, driving their kids to certain neighborhoods, which is kind of cool. So uh, for anybody who has one of those cool, the hip neighborhoods where all the kids go to, that's where the good candy's at. You can kind of just follow the masses and find out who's got the good stuff. Uh, so we got the Alzheimer's walk coming up in about a week. We talked about this a few weeks ago and kind of previewed it a little bit. Uh, but wanted to kind of start back where we started a few weeks ago for folks who may are just joining us. Uh what is Alzheimer's? What is dementia? How does that all play together? What is the relationship between those two terms? Um, and, you know, like we talked about, there are ways to maybe help manage and maybe prevent um, the level of, of how this might come on later in your later years, but it's not really a, a cure. Where are we at with all that? Tell us a little bit more uh, and fill us in on, on what is Alzheimer's and, and how it affects people. Well, Alzheimer's is a disease of the brain. Um, I know that I talked to my grandmother about it before she passed away, and she said, you know, we just, we didn't know that. We didn't know it was physical. 
um, you know, there was a misunderstanding that it was a mental issue, um, but it's a, a literal physical issue with the brain with plaque developing in the brain, which then damages brain cells. And um, the tough thing about Alzheimer's is it doesn't act the same from person to person. Every person's experience is a little different. So like my grandparents, both of my mom's parents had Alzheimer's. My grandfather's experience was completely different. It presented completely different from my grandmother. His was very fast. He lasted um or she was very fast. She lasted um, not as long as he did. So everyone's is a different experience. I think you just have to think of Alzheimer's as a failure of the brain. It's the way each area of the brain communicates, and that communication breaks down due to these plaques and tangles that develop in the brain. And so that happens in a different order for everyone. So uh, that's why you see the differences in behavior. Like some people might have a loved one with Alzheimer's who's very angry and, uh, and possibly, you know, aggressive. But then you also might have some people, my mother just, it amplified her, her wit and she was funny, but it was because of the way that her, her brain function broke down just in a different order from someone else. And can that change day to day, week to week, month to month, where it affects them? Maybe they're angry one day, happy another day, sad one day. Does that change or is it kind of to stay a course once, once it sets in? I think you see typically with everyone that has dementia, it, they call it sundowners. At the time, at 5 o'clock, 4.30 in the afternoon when that sun goes down, you sort of see a change in behavior in anyone that has dementia, whether they're uh, aggressive during the day or not but I think everybody just like everyone they have good days they have bad days some days my mother did not know my name uh, she would know I was her daughter but she just wouldn't know my name there were other days she didn't realize we had a connection at all but that never lasted it just depended on where she was at that day I think you know people want to make Alzheimer's and dementia uniform we want to we want to define it and say it is this way but it really is a different journey for every person and to answer your question Alzheimer's is a form of dementia so dementia is Alzheimer's Alzheimer's is dementia and they're just there are multiple forms of dementia and Alzheimer's happens to be one of them so dementia would be like an umbrella term like cancer is and Alzheimer's is a type of dementia Okay. And I think, I think often, you know, for no reason, people maybe get that mixed up or they will just, they will mm -hmm. just consider that blanket term as Alzheimer's, but it is actually dementia is the blanket term. That's a specific kind. What are other types of dementia? Do they kind of look the same and play the same as Alzheimer's? Are they, are they different? Are there hundreds of different kinds like cancer? There's thousands really. And uh, some can be associated with another, uh, with another disease, Parkinson's. There's a form of dementia that comes along with that. Uh, folks who, ha who have suffered with um, substance abuse, there's a form of dementia that comes along with that after years of abusing alcohol, that there is a form that comes along with that. Um, there's um, early onset, which happens at a very young age, like in as early as 35. Yeah, yeah, even younger than, than 50. And uh, Lewy body is another form of dementia. 
and I know we've talked about this. There are ways to maybe manage and slow down, um, and they're, they're just like any any exercise to to take care of your body. Um, the other the other things you can do to slow down obesity to prevent diabetes and and kind of with Alzheimer's the same thing. If you you read, you keep your mind active, and we we, we talked to Casey who who called us the musician. Uh, Casey Clark joined the show uh, last time you guys were on and talked about him playing music all those years and still playing music and how that exercises his brain. That's kind of his outlet for that. But that does help, right? That's something you can do. Uh, maybe not to prevent, but to help manage, to help slow down. Um, is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would say that. Um there are activities that you can do that uh, can assist in slowing or they think possibly uh, preventing in certain instances the disease. Um, basically, if you follow a, a healthy heart um, diet, mm -hmm. that's also great for your brain. Um, limiting alcohol, not smoking, reading socialization, um, education, and that doesn't mean formal education either. People mistake that and they think, oh, I've got to go take a class. No, just being a daily learner of something, mm -hmm. learning to, I want to crochet. That's an exercise of the brain right there. Um, can you think, think of any others? Um, music is a really yeah. good one. Um, I've, I've heard like painting, art, things like that, drawing. Anything even. that exercises all areas of your brain yeah. so uh, all of that learning a language anything like that would help there's a great documentary called music and memories mm -hmm. um, that talks about the effects of music it's some pretty fantastic stories of how a person was not able to speak or communicate at all and then they played for her some music from her childhood she grew mm -hmm. up in new orleans and they played when the saints go marching in and then this woman has a full-on conversation. So these are people who are actively in dementia. Um, so that's something that you can do if you have a loved one. We put together a playlist of favorite music from when my mom would have been a young adult. And that was a huge hit for her. And, you know, there's some famous musicians who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, like Glenn Campbell. Mm. Um, and he actually wrote a song about his own experience with Alzheimer's after his diagnosis, which I thought was really incredible. Um, Tony Bennett. Mm -hmm. um, what's incredible to watch in their documentaries after the diagnosis is you can see them impacted by the disease through their difficulty socializing, communicating, all of that. But you start those first three bars of a song that they sang and snap they're with you and they're singing and they know every word, every nuance of the song. They're attentive throughout the song. And so it is incredible how music does. Um, it's, it's one of the, I would say last things to, to kind of go for many people, not everybody, but for many people, like Emily mentioned, you know, it's kind of the last thing. So we are kind of comparing it with cancer. There's many different types of cancer. And another comparison might be, you know, we've all heard the story of, of somebody who's the healthiest person you've ever met. They didn't smoke, didn't drink, they exercise, and they get, they get, they get a fatal uh, you know, form of cancer. 
Um, and then, you know, so it's kind of like that you're mentioning with Alzheimer's where you could do all these things right. There's not an exact science behind it. It is preventative maintenance is kind of like the term we used before, but it's not an exact science. And we also have seen the other side of the coin, people who are very unhealthy and they live till they're 110, never have a, you know, acre or a pain. So uh, it's kind of a weird thing to look at it that way, but that's kind of how it is. What's the best way to approach this as a young adult, as somebody who's middle-aged, somebody who's older? What is the best way to go about that? And if you're having that conversation with your family, for somebody who's maybe getting to that age or you have grandparents and loved ones who are a bit older, how do you approach that? What's the, what's the best way to do that? I think it's really important to have those conversations. I meet people all the time whose parents are older and they haven't prepared for this stage in life as they should have. And I think we don't talk about Alzheimer's because it's a brain issue. We don't like to talk about mental health, but we have to start talking about it. These conversations are really important. And so if you create an environment in your family where you can talk about mental health, then you've created an environment where if your parent is struggling, they can come to you and tell you. That isn't what I had in my family. My mother hid it. We didn't know. I have no idea when she was diagnosed because it was hidden from us. And so that's what you don't want, because as soon as you can step in and start helping them plan financially, that's the best thing you can do, because this is a huge financial hit to every family. And I, I think another thing, too, when we're comparing it to cancer, we have to remember if someone's diagnosed with cancer, they have some hope because there's treatments available for them. There's mm. there's chemotherapy, there's surgery, there's all these things that we can do. But Alzheimer's, dementia, it's the number one, it's the leading cause of death that doesn't have a cure. And so that's why we do what we do with the Alzheimer's Walk, because we're trying to raise money to for scientific research so that we can get a cure for this disease. And uh, we want to talk more about that walk in just one quick second. But one more question I had to your point was, uh, you mentioned sometimes when, when folks, uh, parents, loved ones get Alzheimer's, they don't say anything, they kind of hide it. Are they hiding it? Or in some cases, are they just not self-aware of what's happening? Is that the case sometimes as well? They're not trying to lie or hide it from you, but they might not recognize it themselves when they're when they're in that state and they just they just don't they just don't see it like that because it's kind of different for them that is true i think that you can kind of explain it away in my case it my parents were actively hiding it my my dad uh when he was alive he was covering for mom so at holiday time when we gathered mm -hmm. we didn't notice anything different but that's because he had been going along and helping with the cooking and helping her stay organized if he hadn't done that we would have seen those signs sooner um, but yes, it, it is true that some people can explain it away. You could think, well, if they had lost a spouse, you could th say, well, you know, they're just, just grieving or they're lonely or they're just a little forgetful, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but Alzheimer's is more than just forgetting things. I would say also in my family, um, my mom's the oldest of several siblings and the sisters we're all, yes, we need to go to the doctor. We need to find out. We need to know more about it. And then when the diagnosis were made, they were like, okay, what, what can we do next? Mm. You know, let's, let's do X, Y, Z. Whereas my uncles were like, everything's fine. It's fine. It's all fine. You know, I want a t-shirt that says that because that's what we heard the most. It's fine. It's all fine. They, they themselves emotionally mm -hmm. weren't there to accept what the doctor was saying. And that made it difficult because there was disagreement among the siblings mm -hmm. of what to do and how to support their parents. So everybody accepts what is uh, happening 
at, at different times, mm-hmm. you know, even within a family. And that can cause um, difficulties in trying to all be on the same page as to what to do and how to do it. So we're calling on folks who, you know, maybe they've dealt with this, maybe they have not, but it's kind of a community support thing, kind of everybody in. Um, so talk about this this event on the 11th, or I'm sorry, I keep getting them mixed up. November 6th, I keep seeing 11-6 and thinking 11-11. Uh, November 6th is going to be the walk. So tell us more about that. How do folks register? Is it free? Can they? Are there ways people can donate, even if they can't do the walk? Are there, are there things they can do to help? Because again, this is, you know, something that probably affects mostly all of us, and, and whether we know it or not, it might down the road, but uh, it touches a lot of people's lives differently. So so tell us how, how the community can help. They can register by going online at act.alz.org, or you can just Google search the Walk to End Alzheimer's. There they can donate. They can register. It's free to register. You can even create a team if you have a loved one that you've lost to dementia or currently living with dementia. You can create a team in their honor. That's what I have done. I have a team every year. Um, You can go on and look for other teams. If you can't participate, um, you can go on other teams and donate to them. We will have in-person and virtual options. So if you're going to walk in your neighborhood or walk, take a hike that day or whatever, please still register so that we know that we've got people out there that are participating opening ceremony starts at uh no the venue starts at opens at eight it's at um gateway island and opening ceremony will be at 8 30. you can come early and walk beforehand if you don't want to be among the crowd we're going to do our best to socially distance we'll encourage masks but it, it will be an outside venue so if people don't want to wear them they don't have to all right. And again, there's there's ways you can register. You can be a part of the walk. You can virtually walk. You can donate. Um, what about social media outlets, things like that folks can follow, they can share. It doesn't cost anything to share and like, but you can spread a word. You might turn somebody else on that had not known already. Uh, what are some good ways they can find you guys on the web? So they can find us on Facebook. There's a Facebook group. It's um, Rutherford County Walk, walk to, to End Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, there's also an app. If you go to either the Google App Store or the Apple App Store and just search for Walk to End Alzheimer's, you can download an app to your phone and then the day of the walk. That's how um, if you're going to walk at home or in your uh your usual walk path if you go for a walk daily you can follow the opening ceremony it'll have a playlist it will interrupt with facts about alzheimer's and dementia it's very interactive and um, you can also make donations from that app or if you have created a walk team of your own and let's say you run into your neighbor and your neighbor says i want to donate but i don't know how to get online and do that well they can hand you a check and you can mobile deposit the check that is credited directly to your team right then and there so there's lots of different ways Um, you can find them on twitter um, and instagram all right. Um, wanted to ask you, we've got a couple more questions. I had a listener question. I think we covered this last time, but we want to we wanna get to this. Uh, what, what does the color purple represent, and how did we land on purple? This is something we talked about last time I thought was interesting, but we had a, a listener wondering about that who uh, maybe didn't catch the show. And you see purple kind of associated with Alzheimer's all the time, and, um, and, and, there, and there was a reason behind that. That was, that was pretty interesting, I thought. So um, it is red plus blue equals purple. And it is the color of the Alzheimer's Association because it isn't a red or blue issue. 
Um, we know red and blue symbolize two different political sides. Hmm. And Alzheimer's is not a partisan issue. It is going to affect anybody on either side. And when you bring everybody together, you bring the red and blue together, it makes the color purple. Interesting. And that, again, you know, um, there's usually a reason for these types of things. And a lot of times you just don't know to ask or, or just, uh, you know, you think that's just how it is. But that's 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 an interesting fact there. So uh, for the listener who sent that into us this morning, there you go. Um, this is going to be the 22nd year for this walk. That's correct. So uh, in a lot of cases, we'll be having these walks and, you know, locally here in Rutherford County, but in different parts of the country, different counties across the state. Is that the case or is this specific to Rutherford County? There are walks happening all over the United States this year, and so uh, even multiple walks in the state of Tennessee. Uh, Rutherford County happens to be one of the largest, and we're proud of that. So we want to keep that tradition going. And as far as putting teams together, have you guys had anybody who's collaborated with you know family in different parts of the uh, different parts of the country, and and maybe you know their team? And there you go, your hand is up. So uh, tell us about that. That's that's kind of neat. So. Um I have friends and family that live in other states. I grew up military, so we have people all over the U.S. And I have let them know that they can join in. You know, with uh, the world moving into a more virtual platform due to what's happened the last two years, it has really made it available to people uh, to be able to join in. So. If somebody, I have a sister that lives in North Carolina, so they can download that walk app. She can take her husband and her kids on a walk that morning and she can join in in memory of our grandparents and do this with me, even though we're in two different states. And I know of other families that have done the same thing. Very, very cool. That was Dina O'Neill we just heard from. Emily Pegg also joining us in studio today. November 6th is going to be the Alzheimer's Walk. And uh, again, you can get information online. It's act.alz.org. Um, but if you just punch in on Google, and this is probably the easiest way for us to remember, uh, Walk to End Alzheimer's, Rutherford County, that'll get you in the right spot there uh, to register. Because registration is important. It is free, but we kind of want to know who's all in and, and you know make this kind of a group effort. You can also donate online as well. Uh, you mentioned you were military, so this is going to be a good segue into the, to our last point we wanted to talk about. There is a group, and, and you guys could kind of give more information on this, uh, working on you know checking out the effects of, of dementia and Alzheimer's with those who have worked in military, who have who have served, who have who have been in different levels of that. Uh, how did that come about? And if you could kind of fill us fill us in on that a little bit more. So, having grown up military, and we have the VA right down the street from us here in Murfreesboro. Um, I started looking around to see what resources were available that I could pass along to my dad. He belongs to a military group that's uh, full of retirees from the military. Um, what could I share with them? And found that we really didn't have anything here in Tennessee that was set up. There was one in Ohio, a military advisory council. So um, I had a talk with Harry Johns, who is the um, leader of the Alzheimer's Association, and he was the one who shared about Ohio, put put me in you know contact with them, and what ended up happening is we developed the Tennessee Alzheimer's Association Military Advisory Council. 
because the military loves their acronyms, it's TAMIC. <laughs> I know it sounds like a medication, but it's not. <laughs> it's, it's just an acronym. And what we've done is we have pulled together a variety of people. We've pulled together professionals like um, Operation Stand Down that's in Nashville. We've pulled the Veterans Center at MTSU and at the University of Tennessee. We've pulled in professionals at the VA both um, in Nashville and Murfreesboro, but mostly Murfreesboro because they are the unit that works with veterans with Alzheimer's. And we all got together, and I, I, I'm that nerd that wants to read the studies, and what we found out is if someone's in the military, they have a much higher probability of having a traumatic brain injury or um, PTSD, and if you have either or both of those, you are twice as likely to develop Alzheimer's or dementia than the average American. They also will have hospital stays that are twice as long on average than the average veteran. And we wanted to be able to put educational materials, information in veterans and their families' hands. And we wanted to help pull together all of these great organizations across Tennessee to coordinate and say, hey, we have this piece of information. Would you mind sharing your piece of information? And we're able to then uh, refer to each other that way for assistance for these families. So we are looking for veterans, veterans families that are dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia to join this council and work with us. And if you are a professional that works with Alzheimer's or dementia and you would have an interest in finding out more, we would love to have you join us too. And if anybody's thinking, you know, for, for things like this, we talked about there's not an exact cure. So when you're raising money for Alzheimer's, they say, well, where is it going? What is it doing? And those are the types of relationships, the connections, the things that you guys are building and, and working towards that ultimate goal to to prevent, to slow down Alzheimer's and get people ready and, and kind of to know what they need to know in case they cross that bridge. Uh, just got about two minutes left. So I wanted to give you ladies a chance to wrap up. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, filling us in. Uh, tell us again, deadline for registration and uh, any of any anything else we missed today well registration will be open i believe until midnight the night before but they also can register in person at the race well or at the walk we'll have qr codes that they could scan with their phone there will be paper registrations for people who are not technically savvy who would prefer to do that so um, but we will have contactless registration available at the day of the walk absolutely awesome that's emily Pegg and uh, dina o'neill with us as well dina any final thoughts we just want families to know that there's a resource out there if you and your loved one are dealing with a diagnosis or you suspect that your loved one may need a diagnosis um, you can reach out and um, contact the alzheimer's association they can call 1-800-272-3900 they can also go to www.alz.org and find resources and they can find out through these resources a little bit more about what is Alzheimer's, who can they go to to find out more about Alzheimer's, what resources are available in their own neighborhood. Because sometimes we run into people who say, you know, I live here in Rutherford County, but my mom lives in the New England area. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Well, the great thing about the Alzheimer's Association being a national organization is we have offices in all 50 states. 
So they can connect you to resources here and there. Absolutely awesome. And like you said, education is the first step. Making that call, learning a little bit about more is uh, is the first step. And, uh, you know, that's where you got to start. And um, always a pleasure to catch up, ladies. Thank you so much for your time today and uh, filling us in, answering these questions and uh, hanging out with us this morning. Thanks Thank for having you. us. All righty. We'll see you guys uh, next time. And, of course, Truman Jones coming up next hour. So we're going to head over there. We're going to check on news and traffic. We'll be right back. You're listening to News Radio WGNS. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One, MiddleTennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family owned and operated since 1989. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County but will always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. News Radio, WGNS, Murfreesboro, the voice of Rutherford County, and the flagship station for Blue Raiders Sports. The Cordas Clock shows it's 9 o'clock. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. As folks across the country prepare for spooky festivities this weekend, a new poll is showing more Americans believe in ghosts. A survey conducted by the analytics company YouGov found two out of five Americans surveyed believe in ghostly apparitions. On top of that, one in five said they've even seen a spirit from the other side. Franklin election results are in following an eight-hour hand count of the ballots. Williamson County Administrator of Election Chad Gray says there was a software issue with some of the voting machines on Tuesday, which caused inconsistencies in the number of votes cast. It forced poll workers yesterday to hand count about 8,000 ballots. The hand count results of the Board of Mayor and Alderman race were consistent with initial results, as most winning.